Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing, episode 479. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Our first sponsor thanks goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Back in 2013, during the first year of the Slow Flowers podcast, I interviewed a young floral designer from the San Francisco East Bay area who at the time was one of the only voices talking about sustainable design practices. I called her Berkeley's eco-floral maven, and I wrote this. Pilar Zuniga is blazing a new trail and is the true definition of a local florist. She has a hometown Main Street flower shop that goes the full distance to source from local flower farms in her own backyard. Remember, this was in the early days of Instagram, and when it came to visually exciting storytelling, at least online, individual bloggers still reigned. As early as 2008, when Pilar launched Gorgeous and Green as an event floral business, and later as a local Berkeley retail floral and gift shop, which happened between 2010 and 2016, Pilar used her blog to write about sustainability concerns, including chemical-free design techniques and mechanics. She doesn't use sprays, glues, or floral foam at all. Today, Instagram is home to Pilar's online presence, where followers are drawn to her vibrant aesthetic, often portrayed against a distinctive turquoise teal wall, a color rarely found in flowers, but they sure present well with flowers in front of them. The flowers and foliage that Pilar selects are locally grown and when available are organic or non-sprayed. Gorgeous and Green supports local growers and farms who are doing their best to continue to keep local crops available in the Bay Area. I'm so pleased to welcome Pilar Zuniga as a return guest to the Slow Flowers podcast. I really can't believe that seven years have transpired since early listeners of this show first met her. You're in for a treat. But as a bonus, I provided the link to her first appearance in episode 116 from November 2013, as well as a link to the feature about Gorgeous and Green that I wrote for the November 2019 issue of Florist Review. You can find both in the show notes for today's episode at deborahprincing.com. Before we get started, here's a bit more about Pilar Zuniga, excerpted from her website. A California native, Pilar came to the Bay Area to attend UC Berkeley. Her interests then and now include biology, art, and culture. She is fond of painting, drawing, ceramics, sewing, and embroidery, remaking old things, finding vintage goods, gardening, and ballet. She is a feminist, a Latina, and a colorful individual who loves dogs and smiles often. Her floral design is born out of a desire to be creative and to support a local movement of flower growers. 
I'll share photos and links to all of Pilar's social places. So let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And today I'm so thrilled to have a return guest, Pilar Zuniga of Gorgeous and Green. Hi, Pilar. Hi there. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, happy to be back. You're based in Oakland. Uh, We were doing a little um, reminiscing before we turned on the recorder that uh, you were the 17th guest ever on the Slow Flowers podcast, and that was in 2013. (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. (laughs) Yes, time flies, one. Yeah, yeah. And we are going to talk about kind of the trajectory of what's happened to you and Gorgeous and Green since then. But I just, I went back and looked at the um, the headline for that. And actually, are you in Oakland or Berkeley? I'm in Oakland now, but okay. I started started in Berkeley, which right. actually makes a lot of sense of why, <laughs> why. I mean, I think it was twofold, but I was in... I wanted to be in Berkeley and that's where some of the sustainability I mindset came from. And I think it also was um, kind of, I think people swallowed it a lot easier there mm-hmm. during that time. So, but now I moved to Oakland and I still cover Berkeley. But. Sure. You have clients in, in both places. Mm-hmm. The, at the time you had a retail store and I put in the headline, meet Berkeley's eco floral maven, Pilar Zuniga of gorgeous and green. <laughs> November 20th of 2013. I can't believe it. So you were really an early adopter pioneer in um, branding your whole floral enterprise around sustainability. So we can talk a little bit about the history, but I am going to include a link to that earlier episode in the show notes so people can um, hear the um, earlier version of Pilar uh, talking about her dreams and visions and her strategy and her branding. Um, But a lot has happened since then. So maybe you can give us a snapshot of the business now. Um, Despite COVID, you've been very busy and active, which is exciting. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, So right now, my business, you know, as it's in its 12th year, I guess, so this manifestation um, includes uh, a pretty, you know, well-functioning website um, that actually has a Shopify store on it that I've had on there for quite a, quite some time now. So I um, take orders all through the Shopify um, for various reasons. Over time, I just realized that like I had to keep my sanity <clears throat> and um, I just couldn't be answering the phone. Mm. all the time. Mm. And, and I also had to simplify what I offered. So I have a, I have various things and sometimes I change them out depending on how I feel, but it's kind of all built already. So I can decide basically week to week. And, Mm. and right now with COVID, I've slimmed down quite a bit. So I'm only um, delivering on Fridays and I'm doing small events, which is also through my website. So um, I sort of, sort of, I think pretty early on, not quite as many people were doing it when I first started, where I like tried to direct clients to the website to order for small events. And it does take some education, but um, that has actually really helped my business flow as well. So I've got those things always happening. Mm-hmm. So that's always kind of working without me having to work. 
and then um and then I'm doing some education mm-hmm. and doing some virtual workshops, of course, right now, because that's that's with the time that we're in. Um, and I took over um, Ponderosa and Times um, Instagram account for a week. I saw some, that. That was yeah, fun. It was fun. Did some virtual um, education and, and inspiration. And um, that was a lot of fun. And overall, just kind of figuring out how to negotiate the new COVID experience. Um, and also because I am a new mother, a new parent. Yes. (laughs) Just to make life more crazy. (laughs) I have less time. So, um, part of the reason why I'm only doing the deliveries on Fridays, um, I probably, if I wasn't, um, so strapped for time, I'd probably be doing a little bit more. Because the demand is probably there, right? Yeah, the demand is there, which is really great, um, I think, for flowers and for floral design, because people are still needing, you know, I think even more so now that people can't like be with each other as much, they really want to send love to each other. So um, I noticed that in the very beginning of COVID before um, I became a mom, that people were just like, you know, sending right. me emails. When are you going to do deliveries? Can well, you get these flowers? Yeah. You know? And I remember we had a couple exchanges back in like March, April, where um, you were kind of, you had made a decision, I think, just because of the regulations or the policies in the Bay Area, you just had to stop 100% stop for a while, which was sort of upsetting too, right? And yeah. how did you how did you handle that? Like, and when? How long did that take before you could start doing contact free deliveries and you know whatever it's called, no contact deliveries? I think I stopped for a full month. I think a full month, but everybody was kind of like not sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we were up to, and because I think we have you know, the population of the Bay area is pretty large. Um, and there's a lot of movement between all the cities, you know, there's a lot of different cities here, a lot of different counties and a lot of movement. People are, are driving through three counties to get to work or something like that. So you got to think about the fact that there's could be more transference. Um, so yeah, I think, and especially and with flowers too, like, you know, even me getting local flowers, I am getting flowers that have come from maybe three different counties. So just thinking about like, so yeah, it was just a little scary. Um, I just kind of quit all around, sat at home. You know, we all kind of got depressed. Um, (laughs) But then I started doing virtual stuff online on Instagram and did virtual workshops and people started to really like that. And and it was good to see. And people are still really into it. Um, Most of, I'm just trying to figure out like, how do I offer that to more than just the people in my immediate community? Right. Um, like so your customer base. Yeah. So how am I, and and that's something for kind of my, on my future plan plate. Oh, good. Like, well, let's talk about that before we wrap up. Um, I have a couple other questions though, that uh, come to mind. Well, uh, Pilar, you've always had this focus on locally grown and, you know, knowing the farmer. And I mean, this has been a part of your business since I've met you and, you know, seven years ago. Where are you getting your flowers and, and how did COVID affect that? Were you, because the San Francisco flower market closed too, right? 
did. Um, that was difficult trying to figure out how to get flowers. <laughs> like when I was ready to start delivering and doing like this whole process of like wearing gloves and wearing a mask and dealing with people and doing the drop off and calling them and watching from, you know, 20 <laughs> feet away to make sure they got them. Um, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> You know, and at first it was kind of freaky. Now we're just kind of used to it. But um, yeah, I think I had to just reach out. I was I was calling folks, you know, um, my local rose grower. I was like, hey, are you what's going on? How do I get your roses? So for a while I would put it and and I'm I'm not an order. I don't okay. like to order flowers and pick them up. I like to pick them out from what people have. <laughs> you want to I'm actually have that, that, that sensory experience of seeing and yeah, got it. Yeah. It's part of my, it's part of my design process where I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I'm looking at it as I'm taking it and it's already starting to make sense in my brain um, for how it's all going to come together. So it was, it was difficult for me in that I had to like start to order ahead of time and be like, okay, and then how are we going to get them from your farm to me? And they're doing a drop in San Francisco, but can we meet in, you know, this little town in a parking lot? And so then I was meeting people in parking lots <laughs> right, with my van and we'd like move the flowers up, you know, and then and then I felt very suspicious because I was like, oh, are people watching? We're like, trying to stay away from each other judging you was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it uh. was just you know it's a, it was a ton of work it took way more work like driving up, I would sometimes drive up to the farm um you know and the rose grower for me was like an hour away so then I'm driving up to Sonoma County to get the roses which is really cool yeah because then you're on the farm and if you, you can get farm, other things while you're you know, up there yeah, and then see what else they might have. You know, they always have other random things they're growing. Or I'd go to Half Moon Bay and visit my growers down there. And, you know, and then it would turn into like a visit. And then all of a sudden it was like five hours later and I'm, then I have to start my processing. So it's, a, it's yeah. it was definitely time consuming, which at that time I did have time. But it kind of eats into your profitability as a, as a standard practice. Of course it did. Yeah. It started, it started to get really tiresome. Um, and yeah, so then with, when I, you know, we adopted a baby in April and when that happened, I was just like, I gotta re I gotta figure this out because that's not going to work. Right. Thankfully the market started to reopen okay. very few number of hours. Um, but even that was pretty scary. Like all of a sudden people again, yeah. So. Even though it's kind of quasi open air, it's still a congregation of bodies. So yeah. you probably went to try to go really early or, you know, avoid the the clusters because what else can you do? Yeah. 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 Um, so right now you kind of have your, your regulars that you buy from, and now you've got kind of, because of this online ordering process, you can forecast early in the week what you're probably going to need for your Friday deliveries, right? Yes, that is a major, major thing. So having that cutoff point, you know, I, I'm kind of keeping track of it throughout the week. Um, and it's so interesting how people order, 
but um, you know, week to week depends on like this week's going to be very busy. So I had to cut it off earlier. Mm, like sometimes. when, when would you cut it off on Wednesday or something? Usually I cut it off, uh, the night before. Okay. Um, because I go and get flowers, um, very, very early on Friday before I design. Um, but the, it, when it starts to fill up too much, then I just have to cut it off, you know, mm. and that's up to you on sure. for me. I'm just like, okay, that's, I do this for a certain amount of profit, but at some point it starts to like wear me down. So I can't, there's only one of me. I have an assistant. Again, we have to like kind of negotiate our space. And like, thankfully my studio has like huge doors that we can open and we can be outside a little bit, but you know, navigating all this is just, it's, it's kind of like carrying a little bit of a weight around. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a toll. Um, Back to the Shopify tools. So when you decide to cut it off, you'll just put like sold out or something on that particular uh, yeah, I'll put, item. I'll either put sold out or right now what I do is I have a date hmm. so that they know what date it will actually be delivered. Oh. So, um, so if they miss so, this week, then they can move to next week and place the order. Yes. And they can schedule for next week. You know, I remember, so we did a feature story about you in November of 2019 in Florist Review. That was the San Francisco issue. And I'll put a link to the, uh, I have a PDF of that. I want people to be able to go read about that, about you there. Plus the photos are beautiful. Um, but I remember you walking me through that idea of a la carte events. You are you were very early uh, in offering that as a model. I had heard about it from a few other people, but uh I think part of it is just training the customer to understand that this is okay. They don't need you to hold their hand the whole way through, right? Yes. So what do you offer? What are your, like, your your skews on, on that section of your website? Yeah, so the a la carte is for small events. And right now it's, you know, <clears throat> there's a, a kind of an array. I mean, part of it is that, that over the 12 years I've been doing business, I've sort of seen what people like to order. And so I, and so I'm offer the things that most likely going to fit what they need, you know, uh, larger kind of like, um, statement arrangements come in some different sizes for them. So then they can choose based on their budget. Mm -hmm. They've got the little bitties that they might want to use for cocktail, or they might want to use multiple down a table or something like that. Um, then those come in some kind of different sizes. So very simple to like upgrade the vase and mm. or fancier flowers mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then of course, centerpieces, um, you know, based on sort of what I prefer to have as a budget I started at so that I'm not, I don't like to do really tiny. I like to do the little bitties in the vase, but I don't like to do tiny centerpieces. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, your aesthetic is part of this whole thing. If they want yeah. you, they have to, get get on board with your aesthetic. Yeah, for sure. So you can offer just like what it is that you like to do and you feel like people are interested in buying from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, garlands can then they can put it on their own arch if they have an arch or they can hang it from a tree or whatever they want to do. Um, you know, so you're thinking about things that are basically going to fill fulfill their floral needs for their event whether it's, you know, a memorial or a wedding or a birthday or, you know, um, a baby shower. Yeah. But there's still like a couple dozen choices then in that section of the, of the 
gorgeous and green website, right? Oh yeah. So there's lots of different choices. And then once they choose, and sometimes they want to like talk about budget and what I, for me, what I say is like, even at the intro price, it's going to look pretty. It just depends on like mm-hmm. how big or how, you know, voluptuous mm-hmm. you want it or how fancy of the flowers. So. so the idea of like not taking phone calls and using the Shopify sort of tool to interact with the customer at some point, I'm sure there are people who want to get on the phone with you, especially if they're going to spend a couple thousand bucks. So do you charge for a consult or how do you manage that? Yes. So that is actually on there as one of the things they can buy. (laughs) (laughs) You can buy my time. (laughs) You can buy my time. I love it. Sit down with you and talk it through. So, Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it's like somebody who's just very particular and they just want to know that everything is going to be a certain way. Um, it's also, that's actually a perfect time for me to be like, is this a good fit? (laughs) If they're super particular. Right. Um, right. And then, um, and the, or for me to be, you know, like, Hey, I'd be happy to have a consult with you. This is actually how I work. You know, I work seasonally, so you can make suggestions, but I'm going to make the final decision and it may not include all the things that you wanted. Um, so I think, I think Oh, because people are coming to me, they know the work that I do and I've been doing it for a long time. I think that they know that I'm going to do my best to make it beautiful. But at the same time, I also am very clear about my boundaries Mm -hmm. in regards to sustainability Mm -hmm. and, you know, not, I don't, I'm trying to make it easier for myself so I can have a good time making these flowers for them. Um, And I'm trying not to get stressed out about it. So, yeah. But I think you are pretty overt in your statements on your website about um, your local sourcing, your um, low, like low packaging, low waste, and Mm -hmm. then no floral foam. I mean, those are kind of the main messages that you're probably trying to convey to a gorgeous and green customer, right? Yes, over and over again. (laughs) And I think, you know, and I... But I, you know, I get plenty, I've had customers that have been with me for all, you know, the whole time and I can look on my Shopify account and I can see the, I can see how much they've spent with me over time and the number of orders. And sometimes it's crazy. I'm like, wow, you know, if you spent like $5,000 on just like hand tied bouquets for gifts over Mm. the past few years, Mm. but because they do it for Mother's Day and for, you know, birthdays. And and so I think it it's really, that's really nice to see. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm very clear about it. And, you know, and when somebody wants something that I feel like I can't do, which I just told somebody yesterday, you know, like I was going to do something for them. And then all of a sudden it morphed into something that it was going to be very last minute was going to be difficult to do without floral foam. So I said, you know, I don't use floral foam. I need more time to be able to get this together for you. You, Your best bet, if this is what you want, and just so you know, floral foam is not eco-friendly. It, it's plastic and it has toxins. But but there are other florists who will work mm, with it mm-hmm. or who will do something or might just have the thing that you are looking for. So yeah. it's okay to be like, you know what? I can't do that for yeah. you. Yeah. You might find somebody else who can. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your kind of stance because I, I first just came across you searching for articles about 
um, how the floral industry was responding to to basically this product that is in California, it's labeled a carcinogenic on the box, right? And uh, for any kind of floral foam product. And I found a bunch of blog posts that you had written back in 2013. So I just reached out to you. You used to have tons of information that and like links to, you know, materials, safety data sheets and all of that. But so you said some of that, um, some of that information is hard to come by now. It's almost yes. like disappeared off the web. So how did that all, how did that all play out when you first started doing it? And then what kind of, I mean, influence do you think you've had over the industry? Well, you know, I, when I first started, I named the business Gorgeous and Green because I always knew it was going to be about sustainability mm, and, uh, and not just about, cause I like foliage, right. <laughs> it was, it was supposed to be like the green is like eco-friendly. Right. And and I just was like questioning things like what I know I don't, I don't want to use floral foam, but what is this? Like hmm. how, where do I find the information? So I looked and did some research online and I found the MSDS sheets um, direct from one of the big manufacturers websites. And they actually had probably, they had a whole page I remember looking at of all these links to all the MSDS sheets for all their major products. So like different sprays and different glues and, you know, who knows what else on there. And so I just remember looking through the thing and seeing all these different products and you could click on it and it would link you directly to an MSDS sheet that you could download. That had like all the in- actual ingredients. And At, yeah, yes. it had like all the details. And So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to write a blog post and I'm going to link directly to this MSDS sheet that I found. Well, lo and behold, I didn't realize about a year later, um, I think I posted that in 2009 or 2010. Oh my God, you were so early on this. And somebody, people started remarking, hey, this was like an old WordPress version of my blog. (laughs) Hey, I can't get to it anymore where to go. And so I look back and I was like, oh, they took that whole page down. You could not get any of them anywhere. But somehow I had kept a downloaded version of it. So I basically copied word for word, copied and paste the whole thing, which was huge into a subsequent blog post and was like, hey, if you're still looking for this information, I've posted it here so you can read it. Yeah. And people were... It helped a lot of people. Oh, yeah. People were thankful. People were, you know, have always been commenting about how, you know, they just knew something was up with this stuff because they've been working with it forever. And, you know, some people, somebody was, I mean, I heard stories of like people saying I had high formaldehyde in my blood, you know, and I was trying, we were trying to figure out where it was coming from or just like random random, interesting and sad health stories of floral designers who'd been working with it for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and then people who are like, Hey, because of this, I can actually go to my workplace and say, we need more ventilation. Um, we shouldn't be like, basically have this, they were cutting it in where they're, you know, processing their flowers. And it was just covering the dust was covering everything. So like, we need to have a better situation to deal with this product. Mm. Or I, I don't want to like, you know, I want to wear a mask when I'm cutting it or whatever. the Yeah, it is. It's a health and safety issue. Um, At the time you had, you were retail. So the, 
maybe your audience were uh, fellow retail florists who seem to be that seems to be the category of of florists who's got the the, the higher volume kind of crank it out you know quantity of using a recipe that requires yes. foam so you you had your retail store for how long i mean it was it was the store in berkeley that that yes. was so cute there i'm looking at the photo of you on a bicycle in front <laughs> of the old store and it sort of says sustainable you know i'm reading like you know flowers gifts i'm sure there were other things on there but it was so it was just charming yeah it was really sweet um i think i opened the store in 2010 and um i actually moved that store to a different a higher traffic location with like quadruple the rent um, <laughs> great <laughs> but still in berkeley um and i had it there for a few years i think I all all told i had the store how long let's see maybe six and a half seven years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so like for the last five years you've you've been i've uh, been studio-based yeah i've been studio-based i've been solely online and i started the the web store while i had the store partially to help me navigate because it was, you know, I had retail store, I had employees, I sold flowers, I did events, I did flower deliveries. We also sold all this other product. Like you sold <laughs> art, art products from other artisans in, in your community, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I was always searching for local artists or people who were, um, you know, making things sustainably or using recycled materials. So it was like an, always an ongoing project to try oh, to find geez. stuff to stock, to try to be as sustainable as possible in the business practice. And then also do this whole floral design thing and then teach my employees to, to work with flowers. You know, it's just like way too many things I was juggling. Yeah. So, and then doing weddings and then I'd have to be, you know, at the retail shop because it was also my studio after hours working on a wedding or something like that. So it was, it was just kind of a lot. Um, and it really was probably three or four different businesses. Yeah. Well, Pilar, I mean, I think this is a good segue into saying that, well, those of you who listen to this podcast know that we've had to reschedule the Slow Flowers Summit, which was going to be in the Bay Area in June of 2020. It's been completely moved out to the exact same dates in 2021. And Pilar is one of our um, wonderful speakers who's going to be uh, at the summit. And of course, she's not going anywhere. We're going to make her come to the 2021 uh, conference. And your topic, your your presentation is branding the sustainable floral business. So um, I, I'm thrilled that people can hear from you now and be reminded that that is going to, uh, you know, something that you can put on the calendar. We'll be making some announcements between now and the end of the year about uh, how we're working with Filoli to make sure it's going to be a safe conference. Um, but I'm thrilled that uh, this topic is more timely than ever, Pilar, for you to come and talk about. Because all the things you've just discussed, you're alluding to the sustainable human. Like you had to make this business work for you because you were going crazy with so many you know, different channels of of income, all good probably, but each one of them could have been their own business. Yes. Yeah. So I think really, and staying true, you know, to the sustainability aspect, which is something that I'm continuously, you know, thinking about, like in my future projects, how do I continue to stay true to who I am as gorgeous and green? Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about 
you know, the conference. I was <laughs> really kind of bummed. I mean, I think we were all looking forward to it. And yeah. I kept wishing that, you know, COVID would go away in like a month and I don't know. <laughs> and Karen, Karen Thornton, my, uh, our event planner was like, you know, in March, she's like, you know, I've read that when the temperature rises, it, it's a lot less likely to spread. And, you know, it'll be end of June in the Bay Area. It'll be really warm. <laughs> so much for that, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we had no idea. No, we had no, idea no. And, and um, I'm, I'm also open to looking at hybrids and I know, you know, just like the fact that you and I are doing this interview on zoom, I'm sure we're going to find a way to make the conference accessible for people who don't feel safe traveling, but who can still um, hear from all of the presenters and see, you know, the demos and stuff. Uh, put a pin in that. I haven't figured We haven't figured out the technology yet, but you know, we've time. I think also just all of us are used to that a little bit more, right? Like, you were saying the contact free delivery is like everyone's used to now. Like we're just yeah. kind of learning how to be in this state. Yes. We've got, it's the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, more on that soon, but I will put a link to the slow flowers summit page and uh, the description about Pilar's uh, presentation uh, in the notes too, because we're going to start talking about the summit coming up in December and, and getting, getting our heads back into that. You know, I think it's just, it's just, uh, we're waiting for the new year and the calendar page to turn so we can all yeah. breathe a sigh of relief. Yes. Um, so on, on your business, you, you've had so many changes this year and you said, you told me earlier that you built a new, stu you're building a new studio. So what, what press, you know, what brought that along and, or brought that into play and, and how is that helping you do what you need to do with the business? Yeah. So, you know, with my husband and I have um, a property in downtown Oakland that um, he has built out a whole structure for him, his, his business. And then we, I, or I manage <laughs> another business that is a studio on that same property. Um, it's a photo and film studio. And then in the, we had this giant parking lot and for what, you know, it was just like a cement kind of uh, vast, yeah, <laughs> nothingness and um, great for parking, which is, you know, uh, not that pretty, but we had the idea to actually create a studio for me on the property. And it would actually facilitate kind of this, this community living that we have going on where we have the baby, you know, sometimes I might need to take a call or do a workshop. So I'm, I call on him to, to take over for an hour or two or. Because you're, you're both entrepreneurs. So you both have your yeah. own businesses, right? We both, and then we, so we have three businesses between the two of us, which is a lot. And yeah. then I can manage our other business from that property. So um, we took some used shipping containers and we um, put them on the property and I basically have built them out oh, cool. um, according to what I feel like I need. So that's really nice. Like for the first time in 12 years, I have a walk-in cooler, which is a life changer. Even you, and when you were at your other studio, which was kind of in this cute little cottage, uh, like a mother-in-law cottage type of uh -huh. thing, there was no cooler? There was a cooler, but it was just uh, my old like three-door. Oh, like a retail cooler. cooler. Mm -hmm. And that thing, that, 
thing was so old. I had bought it used from a florist back in 2010 who had, who was going out of business and it had already been probably 10 years old at that point. (laughs) It's like driving the Subaru until it dies. Like you've got a lot out of that. Talk about being sustainable, man. (laughs) I used that thing and I like, I tried to insulate it because it, you know, was older. So it wasn't as well insulated. So I like put all this foam up and, you know, made sure that I talked to the cooler person about making sure it worked well so that it wouldn't waste energy. And, and I really drained that thing. So (laughs) So you had to retire that. (laughs) I retired it. Now we've got a walk-in that was actually a cool bot. Which oh, cool. I really, I like. So, if people have questions about that, I'd be happy to share my experience. Um, and and then I have this cool space that has these cool French doors that open, which is really important for airflow right now, of course, with COVID and light um, too. Yeah, and light. And then we're building a deck, and then I'm gonna make the parking lot beautiful by creating garden space. Oh, so that's, neat. That's sort of my ongoing project is is really kind of putting gorgeous and green kind of in the ground there. That's um, cool. That, yeah. So two the shipping containers, um, like I know there's different sizes, but do you put two together or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. we kind of made a like an L, I guess. We kind of cornered them in and then we'll have a deck in between. Um, and that way it's kind of like, I can work outside if I want to, we'll have like a shade structure in between the two and that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and maybe in that, you know, I don't know what COVID, I mean, we may be always dealing with COVID. Right. Um, we don't know kind of what this is, what the future holds, um, or things like COVID. So it might be actually a really great place to have workshops, you know, kind of have that indoor outdoor. Yeah experience to be able to do little tutorials out there. Um, That's awesome. Okay. So did you paint one of the walls, your signature blue that you always (laughs) use for your photos? Cause it is like, Oh, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe that blue. It's so luscious. Yeah. I, I haven't, I have the paint. I haven't decided which (laughs) wall. I've been, I've been paying attention to the light. Right. right. I just happened to have, I lucked out with an amazing wall that got great light in my previous studio. So I have to like make sure it's the right wall because <laughs> I want that natural light because there's nothing like natural light on flowers. It's like part the, of your brand. It's so important. Yeah, it's I really important. All right. I wish you luck on that. <laughs> um, and then also uh, with the film and, and photography studio, you mentioned to me last time we talked that you were hoping to utilize that for for gorgeous and green, which is sort of would sort of be a new channel for you then. And now yes. you told me that before COVID. <laughs> I did. That was that was a plan I've had. And finally it came it's coming through for fruition, partially because I got uh, some SBA loans. <laughs> Great. You <laughs> deserve COVID, them. Yeah. Right. And um I said, well what could I use, you know, besides helping me pay some bills in the immediate immediate time, how could I use this funding? you know, to kind of progress my business. And so I'm actually going to pay my husband's company to help me produce some, um, some online content, some content. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that and it'll be a lot easier now that I'm going to be kind of on site. Yeah. So So you think you'll roll that out in 2021 or? Yes. Okay. That will be, we're, we're kind of in production, pre-production now. So, um, you know, part of it is because I'm a seasonal 
floral designer, we're heading into a season where not as much is in bloom. So do I really want to work with stuff right now or do I want to wait till the spring comes to like create some content? So that's always something, you know. That's a big deal. That's a big (laughs) deal. deal. (laughs) When that happens, does your business take a little bit of a lighter, um, like demand on you in the winter because you don't want to, I, I know you don't import anything, but you also, you, you sometimes don't even want to go outside of the Bay area for, or the yeah. larger Northern California area for your, your product. Right. Yeah, it does. It can have, you know, people, the interesting thing about weddings is people are always getting married. So sure. you make do with that. I do feel like it, it does have an effect on deliveries. There is kind of a sloth that mm-hmm, happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, we make the most of it uh, with like flowering kale and, you know, roses are still in production, but it's just less varieties. Um, and, and, you know, may, they may or may not look as beautiful because the, they really like that heat to open up. Right. You know? Right. So um, you see more foliages and more, more kind of accent right. flowers. Yeah, maybe some dried things, foliage, greenery. Um, but, but you know, I think that the winter, unfortunately, in the Bay Area is pretty short. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be getting shorter. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's it, it seems to go pretty quickly. Okay. And, so maybe and just... it's a good time to kind of just like, re, you know, come back together and like figure out how we're going to deal with all the weddings that got rescheduled. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you're in pre-production on the videos. That's just almost as much work as all that work happens before you turn the camera on. Oh yeah. Record, right. Yeah. You're, you're basically trying to figure out everything like materials and what are you, te- you know, storyboarding. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and like teachers, you know, we don't often give them a lot of credit. Um, and I feel like they don't get enough credit, but so much work goes into that kind of like before they actually are teaching. Yeah. Right. Like they're thinking through what is it that I'm trying to, what theory am I trying to share? Like, how is this going to transfer? So you do some of that on your Instagram feed though. So I want to make sure that I send people to that. We, we add that link in the, the show notes because you're often posting not just beautiful pictures, but like the rationale behind what you yeah. did and and where you got the product. And I feel like that's sort of your inter- integral to your brand. Yes. I'm always, you know, I try to, I can be a pretty strong uh, advocate for being, um, you know, a slow flower member and being um, sustainable and not using floral foam. And I feel like I don't want to like, I don't want like the high pitched noise to eventually get, like blurred out. I want, I want people to still hear me. So I, I'm very careful about where I, I put it in. Yeah. You know, I do, you know, I might have a really strong message like every week or every other week where it comes through. Um, and then I kind of allude to it maybe with some other beautiful photos. So I, I think, think that yeah, if you just have to be careful because if you're like, you know, beating the drum so loudly constantly, eventually people turn tone it out. I've had to learn that too, Pilar. That's I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one of my friends uh, who is working, this is very ironic, but in, in Seattle, there was this whole campaign, oh, like 15 years ago to try to get people to accept the, letting their front lawns go brown in the summer and stop watering. And 
Um, so they tried to, the whole campaign was a better way to beautiful. And it was sort of like, okay, let's, let's show people beautiful low water landscapes uh, that had native plants or whatever to just mm-hmm. show them an alternative and not make them feel guilty about watering their lawns, but just say, look, but this is a better option. And I sort of feel like that's psychology does pay off. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think that, you know, lead, lead with beauty and then, then they'll, they'll be hooked. <laughs> yes. Be like, yeah. And so I use this instead of this other thing. Because- <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. Well, I am so glad we got to catch up and have uh, this conversation for the podcast. Uh, just to kind of be a teaser to remind people that they're going to get to meet you in person and hear from you in um, at the end of June at the Slow Flower Summit in 2021, but that you're available online all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm just delighted that that you're in my life. And uh, congratulations for sustaining your business for 12 years. I mean, that is a huge accomplishment. And even you get hit by these unexpected setbacks uh, with COVID especially, and you're just, you're just adapting. And I think that's a message for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what we, that, I mean, I think that's half of it being a business owner is figuring out how to stay on your feet. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, will you share? So I have some of the photos that you gave me last year for this uh, florist review article, but I'm sure you have some groovy stuff you can share uh, some newer things. And I think also I'll share a couple screenshots of your web, of your website, just how you've got it organized and the messaging. Cause I think that's really instructive. Um, Anything I didn't ask you Pilar that I should uh, have asked (laughs) as we wrap up. (laughs) Oh, um, no, I, I actually, this is a question for people listening in. If you wanted to share, um, so I moved into a new house and we live in, you know, it's a beautiful, more of a country living experience, but we are in a higher fire danger Mm. uh, situation, Mm. which of course is also very stressful on top of everything else. Yeah, seriously so many fires on the west coast it's just been a really really tough summer um and fall and um so i'm i'm building a garden i'm landscaping and looking into kind of how to i still want it to feel beautiful and you know full and lush but at the same time i'm really conscious of you know water um and also fire safety so if people have any any thoughts on that? I'd be happy to, to <laughs> take the advice. Yeah. I mean, how do you, yeah. How do you build a fire resistant or resilient landscape when, um, which could potentially protect your house from burning down? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow, that's ominous. I know that so I know of some people in San Diego who've, who've, um, written about this because of course the fires in San Diego in the past have been just as bad. So I'll, I'll, I'll share if I can find that I'm thinking of one particular, um, article that, uh, that a woman named Deborah Lee Baldwin, uh, wrote for a local paper about how a low water succulent garden protected her house. I'll see if I can find that, but, um, my goodness. Okay. My dear, I don't think there's any rest for the weary and it's, um, we're talking on a Thursday and tomorrow's Friday. So I know what you're going to be doing. Yes. (laughs) Great. Well, this has been fun. And, uh, thanks so much for sharing an update. I I can't believe it's been seven years since we had you on the podcast. That is in in the category of where is she now? We've answered that question. Yes. (laughs) 
Right. Thanks, well, Philar. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. so much for joining this lovely and uplifting conversation with a kindred spirit, one who is a role model for how to honor your mission and values through the way you build your business. You are in for a real treat next June because Pilar is one of the featured presenters at the 2021 Slow Flowers Summit taking place June 28th through 30th, 2021 at Filoli in Woodside, California, which is outside of San Francisco. We will soon resume promotion and registration for the postponed fourth annual Slow Flowers Summit. And I'm thrilled that our host venue, Filoli, has done everything right to accommodate holding a safe, socially distanced experience for all of us. Pilar will present on branding the sustainable floral business. She'll discuss building an enduring brand around sustainable design and using her studio and platform to advocate for beautiful sustainability, including chemical-free design techniques and mechanics. You'll learn more about how Pilar's personal values have shaped Gorgeous and Green's brand and mission in the marketplace. And you'll be wowed as she demonstrates her signature floral style using all local botanical elements. In our show notes, you'll find a link to more details about the summit and a way to sign up for notices as we roll out an expanded speaker lineup, COVID safe practices, and more details about the 2021 Slow Flowers Summit. And here's a podcast postscript. I'm recording the intro for today's episode on Sunday, November 8th. In the U.S., we have endured a long, drawn-out, and agonizing political season. I'm so pleased with the result of the presidential ticket that prevailed. Joe Biden is our president-elect and Kamala Harris, our vice president-elect, the first woman, the first black woman, and the first person of Asian descent to be elected to this office. I'm exhaling. I've heard from so many of you who are doing the same. If you didn't support the Biden-Harris ticket, my wish for you is to have an open mind and to join me in a pledge to listen, speak my own truth, and show compassion for all humans. Slow Flowers is committed to sustainability in all its forms, including sustaining dignity, equity, and inclusion for people like us and people not like us. And as long as we're talking about elections, we want to congratulate Slow Flowers member and recent guest of this podcast, Stacey Brenner of Broadturn Farm in Scarborough, Maine. On November 3rd, Stacey posted this message on social media. I'm so grateful to announce that the voters in Buxton, Gorham, and Scarborough have voted for me to be the next state senator of our district. I congratulate my opponent on a well-run campaign, and I promise to do my very best for our community in Augusta. Well, congratulations to Maine's newest state senator and flower farmer, Stacy Brenner. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. 
It's time to announce two giveaways. The winner of a complimentary registration to Ellen Frost's new online workshop, Growing Your Business with Local Flower Sourcing, is Zoe Dellinger of Dell Acres Farm and Greenhouse in Edinburgh, Virginia. Congratulations, Zoe. You'll hear from Ellen with all the details very soon. And congratulations to Amy Stoker of Lucky Bee Cut Flowers of Longmont, Colorado. As one of more than 200 respondents to our annual Slow Flowers member survey, your name was randomly selected for the big prize, full registration to the 2021 Slow Flowers Summit, valued at $599. You'll get to meet us at Filoli in late June and meet Pilar Zuniga, today's podcast guest, in person. We'll be sharing the insights from the member survey in the coming months. It was a huge success with more than 25% member participation. If you're listening to this episode on Wednesday, the 11th of November, there's still time to join the next Slow Flowers member virtual meetup this Friday, November 13th. You're going to meet and learn from two expert Slow Flowers members who specialize in growing and designing with dried flowers. We'll be joined by Heather Henson of Boreal Blooms and Bethany Little of Charles Little and Company. Now more than ever, your Slow Flowers membership gives you an important narrative and mission to share with your community and your customers. You'll be inspired by these two women who are doing that in their businesses. So join the Slow Flowers member virtual meetup Friday, November 13th. It's at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern time. You can find the link, uh, which we'll have in today's show notes to log in uh, and join us on Zoom. We hope to see you there. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 657,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support, and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsored thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.